Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about communing with God, just as the cherubim did above the mercy seat. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from this week's messages. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 25, 41, when he said to this group, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So what did God do? He puts two special angels, cherubim, with swords turning every direction to keep man out of the garden. And all those sacrifices which were taking place in two chambers out, into the outer chamber, that was where the altar was, and millions of sacrifices. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Genesis teaching. Now, what happens at the mercy seat? Now look at Exodus chapter 25, verse 22. Exodus 25:22, where it says there, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all the things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Okay, so what's happening on this mercy seat? This is the place, you could think of it, where John 15, 4 is taking place, where he said, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except ye abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. It's a place of spending time with God. It's a place of meeting God. For us, practically, it's the every morning place. It's the place where God invites us to a quiet place where we shut the door and shut out the world and all the distracting thoughts, and then we just say, here now, here I am, God. I'm here alone. Here you are, God. You're here with me. Here's my Bible. I open my Bible. Here's my heart. I open my heart. I'm ready to hear what you have to say to me, and I also want to speak to you as well. And I want that to set the pattern for the rest of the day. That's going to set the course for the rest of the day. That's what it means to abide in Christ. That takes place, the mercy seat. So it says here that when we get that with God, we get fed. Just like the picture of the manna. Manna was beautiful in Exodus 16. Manna, they looked at each other and said, what is that? That's why they call it manna. That's what it means. What's that? You know? But they didn't know what it was. But it sustained them for 40 years. It's amazing. Jewish commentary said it suited every man's palate. You know, on this side, someone might say, oh no, I don't like fish. You know, someone over here say, cauliflower? No, no, I'm not very fond of cauliflower. See, everybody has different palates, right? But it says, this manna suited every man's palate, and they ate it, and it sustained them. What could that have been? Maybe something like yogurt or something like that. They have all the vitamins and so forth, but it was there. Anyways, it was God's provision for them, and they went about every morning and collected it. And then it says, if someone didn't have enough, then someone else would give it to them. They fed each other for what they collected from God. And sometimes that's a good thing. We collect something from God in the morning, and we go to our brother or our sister, and we help them, we feed them. 
So, Isaiah 50, verse 4 says, And the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He never missed his quiet time. He never did. People came in the morning seeking for him in the Gospels. He wasn't there. And the disciples said, we don't know where he is. He says, well, then they went and they found him alone someplace on some hill or something like that, alone with his father. Psalm 5, verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. It's great verses. Now, why are the cherubim so important here at the mercy seat? Well, first we know the cherubim were over the mercy seat. They covered them with their wings, massive wings. And like at the Garden of Eden, when God sent and drove out the man out of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, to keep him from eating from the tree of life, why did God want to keep man from eating in the tree of life? Because if man had eaten, as we already said, from the tree of life, then he would have been really fixed. And so his sin would have been incurable. He would have been forever unredeemable. And he would have been unsavable. But the Lord Jesus Christ has a special interest in curing man's disease. And he has a special interest in redeeming man from his sin. And he has a special interest in saving man from his sin. And that special interest of the Lord Jesus Christ to cure, to redeem, and to save is reflected in the presence of the cherubim to keep man from eating of the tree of life. See? And so they were guarding his special interest there at the Garden of Eden. Now, just as they were guarding his special interest there, so you take this point home, cherubim guard God's special interests. You take that point home, cherubim are God's crack team of angels, And whenever you see them, you realize they must be guarding God's special interests. God has a special interest here. And then you think of them at the mercy seat with their wings stretched out, and you ask, what does it teach me? What do I know? Well, the mercy seat was the place where God met man. The mercy seat symbolizes the place where we meet God every morning in our devotion times. It's the place where we gather up that spiritual manna that God provides, food for our soul from the Word of God. It's a place where we speak to God in prayer, and He speaks to us, friend to friend. Friendship with God. It's the place where friendship with God is strengthened. That's the mercy seat. It's a special interest to God. He has a assigned Therefore, His crack team of cherubims, because this is a special interest to God, What does it mean? In my morning time, my morning mercy seat time, my quiet time, we say, is that important to God? I mean, does it really matter if I miss my morning time with God? Does it really matter if I cut short that morning time with God? Does it matter if my mind's there, but I'm really thinking about something else? And if you ask me what I just read, I couldn't tell you. Does that matter? It does to God. It very much does to God. Your morning time with God, my morning time with God, that mercy seat, that's a special interest to God. A special interest to God, and that's why we see the crack team of the cherubim there guarding it. 
you and I purpose to bring ourselves to that place, focus our minds, we'll find out how just special that interest is to God. And we'll see the crack cherubim team, how good they are guarding it. You know, soon we're going to have Ruthie Burton come. That's a good thing. And she's a single missionary, as many of you know, to Brazil. She's been there for over 30 years in Brazil. And Ruthie lives in a small city with dirt roads. When you kind of look at an aerial of the city that she lives in, it looks terrible. You know, cars go down the street and, and houses line the street and there's dust clouds constantly, you know, because it's all dirt roads. And it's a crossroads as far as where it's found in Brazil for truckers. So what does that mean? Lots of prostitutes. And that's the place where Ruthie has been called to there in Brazil. And she's a missionary there to kids, to street kids. Remember before she was ministering to the deaf? Well, there's not so many deaf there, so she's been working with the street kids that are aimless. These kids are neglected. And Ruthie, with her co-missionary Claudia, have really gotten this flock together of these kids. And they've done such a great job. You know, they wrote books uh, for the kids and teaching them about God and teacher's manuals and manuals on how to do the crafts and the exercise and support, everything. And she faithfully teaches these kids several times a week. You know, this is her church. This is her group. And the group has grown And they've responded to God's call to be saved, and they're saved, and they've received the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going on Ruthie's flocks. And they love Ruthie, and Ruthie loves them. Well, Ruthie realized that her flock of kids had a need in their lives because she realized that the kids she was ministering to, they didn't have any devotion times. They didn't have any mercy seat times. They didn't have any quiet times with God, with them alone. So she told the kids that they had to do this. But the kids said to her, we don't know how to do that. How are we supposed to do that? When we come to the the class here, you teach us, that's fine. Well, what are we supposed to do? Just go off alone someplace? And she says, oh, no, you have to focus your mind. She goes, we don't know how to do that. And so Ruthie thought about it, and she came up with this idea. And she said, I will help my kids to have a daily time with God, their own mercy seat. So every morning, Ruthie types up her different scripture and a different devotional thought for the kids for that day. Every morning she does this, and then she goes over to her mimeograph machine, and she runs off all these copies of these things. And at noon, Ruthie jumps into her van, and she drives up and down those dirt streets, stopping at the houses or the meeting places that she's prearranged, and she's like, honk, honk, and she honks her horn. And the kids come out everywhere, and they come to her, and she gives one to this kid, another one to this kid, another to this kid, and she's like the milk lady. She's like the paper boy, you know, she's just distributing those things. And then, then as soon as they get the, the, the piece of paper, the kids just disappear. And they go off into old sheds, and they go against walls behind houses, and they go inside of abandoned cars, and they're sitting there with the devotional. They're having their morning time with God. They're having their mercy seat, quiet time with God. And when each kid sits down with Ruth's devotional thought, what you can't see in that city are wings of cherubims all over the city. Wings of cherubim over each one of those kids as they're having their time with God. Why? Because meeting with God alone, strengthening friendship with God, which those kids are doing, is a special interest to God. And so he sends his crack team, his cherubim team, to go to work every day in that city of all those dirt roads there in Brazil. And then parents come out. You know, parents are coming out. 
And they start coming out because they see, you know, Ruthie comes, give them a piece of paper, kids disappear for a half hour, what's going on? So they ask in Ruthie, what's happening? Our kids, we can't find them after you come. She explains to them, you should have a quiet time with God as well. She's transformed the whole city by doing that. Why? Special interest to God. Meeting with God. Praise God. Let's be like those kids. Run to go get the thought. Let's go be like those kids. Go disappear someplace and be with God alone. Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the, the fact that you have a special interest to not only save man, and therefore you put the cherubim to keep him from the tree of life when he wasn't ready. Lord, you also have a special interest to be friends with man and to strengthen the friendship with God. And so you have the cherubim over the mercy seat. Help us, Lord, to remember this, to avail ourselves of it, and to translate this into revived morning quiet times with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, today you talked about prayer and that morning quiet time that we should have. Now, that was interesting about what God told Moses of where he would meet with him. Why was it important for Moses to meet God at the mercy seat? You know, everything in the Old Testament is there for our benefit. It is is written so that we can learn. And what God told Moses about the mercy seat is very instructive to us when it comes to the matter of our praying to God. We should recognize through the illustration, through the analogy, through God's object lesson of the mercy seat, the importance as it applies to us for prayer. Now, what he said in Exodus 25, 22 was God made it very, very clear to Moses when he said, and there I will meet with thee. And I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. God said, I have a place for you, Moses. That place where you and I are going to meet is going to be at the top of the ark, the lid covering called the mercy seat. And he said, I'll not only meet with you there, I will commune with you. You know, there's a difference in our time with God between just meeting with God and then communing with God. When you just go to meet with God without communing, it's like God would say to you, would say to you, would say to me, what's your rush? Sit down, unpack, let's spend time together. That's communing. So he said, this is not just going to be a rush in, let me have my commandments that I'm going to go tell the children of Israel, God. God said, no, no, no. This is going to be a time when you and I are going to spend quality time together, and that's going to be the time of communing with each other. So the first thing we understand is that this is a place where he will not only meet with us, but also commune with us. And when it says the mercy seat, above the mercy seat, we know that that's the place where on the four corners of that lid cover, that mercy seat, was applied the blood. The blood 
which speaks of the peace of God that we have through the blood of his cross. And then it says that this is from between the two cherubims. These were the two angels that God dispatched to protect the place. So in other words, God is saying this is an important place. It's a place where you will dwell and we will both look and dwell on the on the meaning and the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring about the peace with God, the peace between us, to bring about the reconciliation between us. And this is so important. I will do what it takes to protect your meeting time with me as symbolized by these two cherubims that'll be over this meeting place. So these are the things that we need to keep in mind as we come to have our own personal prayer time and quiet time with God. Number one, that God wants to not only that we should show up, but that we should commune with him, that we should, we should say, Lord, you are the desire of my heart. There's none upon earth that I desire beside you. And really to unload our hearts before him and to hear the heart of God speak to us through his word. We should realize that the whole basis of our privilege to be able to do this is because of the cross, because of the blood of his cross, which is there above the mercy seat. And we should realize this is so important to God that he's put two cherubim, so to speak, as to say that this is an important thing that we are doing together. And Tom, let's also discuss something people don't like to discuss, hell. Now, the subject of hell is difficult to talk about. Nobody wants to really go there literally, but today you touched on God's purpose for hell. But let's bring out for our listeners more on God's purpose for hell. Yeah, it's true. There isn't anything that God does that he does not have a purpose. And God created hell. And so God has a purpose for hell. So it's very, very appropriate for us to ask the question, what is God's purpose for hell? And we are given the insight to this in Matthew 25, 41, where the Lord Jesus Christ said that he will say to those... On his left hand, he said, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So when he said those words, that everlasting fire, of course referring to hell, is a place that's been prepared for the devil and his angels, right away we get the understanding of what God's purpose is when he created hell. He created a place, or prepared, as it says, a place for the devil and his angels, those who tried to dethrone him, those who tried to usurp him, those who said, the devil said that he would set his throne above God. And so he prepared a place for the devil and his angels called hell of everlasting fire. What's so important to note here is that God did not prepare this place for man. This place was prepared for the devil and his angels. What earth is, earth is a stage of a contest for the souls of men between God and the devil. And when men choose to side with the devil and go with the devil, then it's against God's desires, but they end up in hell. 
They end up in the place that's prepared for the devil and his angels. But if man will yield himself to God, will follow God, will obey God, will even when God says, I know you've sinned, but I have prepared for you the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ as a place of safety. I've prepared for you salvation. Go. And when man goes in the way that God has prescribed for his salvation, he doesn't end up in the place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. He ends up in the place that was prepared for man, which is heaven. But it's so important to see that when man ends up in hell, he had to fight his way into it. He had to climb over every fence that God put in his way not to go there. He had to disregard every red blinking light saying, wrong way, don't go this way. God is against you going this way. He has to literally fight his way in in a defiance against God as if to say, I'll show you, God, that I can go to hell. And God says, yes, I guess you can. And so that's what actually happens to man. But what's so important to see is that God's purpose for hell was never prepared. It was was to never be the place prepared for man. It was always the place prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, Tom, some of our listeners may not know this, but you are the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California a wonderful museum that has the six days of creation and a human anatomy exhibit as well as a tabernacle display. But the museum has a lot of fun creation-based tours and trips. Uh, We've got one coming up. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the Creation Museum is more than just a museum. It's more than just an extensive bookstore with uh, materials and resources on creation. It's actually a community. For example, We have at the Creation Museum uh, the Christmas Under the Stars, which is an evening of uh, stargazing, uh, of looking up with telescopes into the stars. We have many, we have uh, uh, regular monthly meetings for kids called the Creation Club, in which the children really get involved in doing activities in which are brought out the truths of the Bible and the truths of creation. We have a very special trip which is coming up, which is the Colorado River Raft Trip. Now, on this trip, it may sound like it's roughing it because it is camping, but this is luxurious camping. In other words, everything is provided from sleeping bags and food and and really nothing. uh, You don't have to bring anything. But what this is, is this is three nights and four days of an opportunity to raft down the, uh, the Grand Canyon and the river below and to have the benefit of great creation geologists who point out the meaning of the various strata within the Grand Canyon. It's really entering into this great museum and having, uh, as our teachers, those who point out what these, what these various rock formations mean in terms of the flood, Great Noah's Flood. And so this is coming up, and uh, there's only two more seats which are available, uh, and uh, then it's all full, and it'll be a, a, a wonderful time. And if you are interested, just contact us here, and we'll direct you to, uh, to get more information about the Colorado River Raft trip with the helicopter ride and the, the ride on the mules and, and, uh, and, and so forth. But that, that, that's coming up, and, and that's just one of the trips that the Creation Museum uh, puts on. Uh, uh, we also have uh, trips which are closer to home and to the Borrego uh, 
desert. We're there again with a biologist and a geologist. Uh, there's instruction in the field there about the wonders that we can see uh, close to the museum here in, in uh, Southern California. And listeners, they can go to creationsd.org to learn more information or call us at 1-800-247-3051. Now, one of the things near and dear to our heart is Israel Restoration Ministries. We're starting to plan for the summer outreach that we've done the past two years, and we're planning for this summer, 2013. Talk a little bit about the outreach that we're going to do this summer to the Jewish people at Israel Restoration Ministries. Yeah, every summer what we do is we... Uh, put out onto uh, the streets of uh, seven cities with the largest Jewish populations, about 100 to 150 uh, Bible school students who work very, very hard going door to door. And at the end of the summer, they will have knocked on about three quarters of a million Jewish doors. And what we need from you, dear friends, is prayer. We need you to pray with us. This is really going into the trenches. We have all kinds of stories of what's happened on those outreaches that really just emphasize that though God wants us there, the devil doesn't want us there. But these students have really shown uh, bravery uh, as they've continued every summer to carry the gospel to the Jewish people. Thank you for joining us today. Once again this month, we're offering Tom Cantor's acclaimed new book called Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and Future of the Jewish People Through the Life of Joseph. This is an amazing new book that shows the Jewish people of the past, present, and future and reflects not only in the history, but the future as foretold in the Hebrew Scriptures. It's wonderfully written, plenty of expository notes, and it's something that you've never read or seen before. It's a great gift for not only a Christian, but a Jewish person who may be searching for the truth and evidence of the Messiah in the Scriptures. So call us today, 1-800-247-3051, to get a copy of your book, 1-800-247-3051. Once again, 1-800-247-3051. Or you can go to friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org to learn more. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow at the same time.